How many of you are just really, really glad to be here? I know I am. Yeah. Praise God. And uh, it, it, Christmas is coming. Do you realize this? It's Christmas 2020 already. It's, it's November, and we haven't decorated anything in my house yet, which is very unusual. So my, my wife's having an unusual year. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm sure by next week we'll be caught up and ready to go. But we are starting a new series called Arrival today, and it's kind of looking, kind of using the uh, tradition of Advent, talking about the Advent candles in particular, and using what, these, what they represent as we anticipate and expect Christmas, the coming of Jesus. And so we're going to be using that as an outline uh, for this series. So each candle uh, represents something for every week as we lead up to Christmas. And so today, our first one is, is hope. And so the, the, the hope that Jesus represents, and we're going to get into that uh, today. So I, I don't know about you, but uh, there are certain times of Christmas I can look back on anyway. And a lot of them kind of run together, to be flat out honest, as I get older. Uh, but, but memories and experiences I've had, and it's the times that I've anticipated it more than others. Some years, I can't wait, uh, especially when my kids were younger, I think is probably when it was more exciting for me. Uh, I would come up with all sorts of weird ways to do Christmas, to be flat out honest. Uh, one of the kids reminded me this week of how I ma- packaged this humongous box one year for all of them, and I put all sorts of weird things in it so you couldn't tell what it was. And when they opened it, there was nothing in it except a note that told them where to go to find the present. And then another note, another note. You guys have probably done some of that. And they were so disappointed because this huge package they ever seen at Christmas was nothing but a note. But hopefully it made up for it, some of the presents we gave. But um, <clears throat> probably the best way, the best time I ever wrapped a present was when I got my son a hockey stick. And I wrapped it exactly just like the hockey. I mean, it just... I just wrapped us, and he's, he's like, I'm, 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 you know, I said, I bet you can't guess what this is. He goes, it's a hockey stick. I said, that's what I want you to think. <laughs> we uh, probably, the one I look forward to the most, one Christmas I can remember, it was years ago, uh, we, we had just bought a house, and on this house was about three and a half acres of woods, and we've never had woods before. I didn't know what to do with them. You know, or what in the world you do out there. The only t- and we, we actually cut down a lot of sapling trees that summer, so, and, we, and we created this area where we could sled down a little bitty, bitty hill. And I finally got to take all my kids sledding that year on our own property, on our own little hill. And I ended up in the emergency room. But that, that's neither here nor there. The, the thing was, um, I decided that Christmas, my wife and I always have this argument almost every year about what kind of tree to get. I'm totally real tree person. She's totally fake tree person. And the reason she's a fake tree person has more to do with I don't want stuff all over my house. Basically, that's what it has to do with. For me, it's like, I want a real tree. I mean, if you get a, you know, celebrate, let's have celebrate the real tree, not, not, not the fake. Uh, anyway, and then, of course, I, I use that as to some sort of analogy with spiritual things and how phony she is and that kind of thing. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but... Uh, so one year, I finally got my wish because we lived with our own woods. And so I decided, I want to have my own tree, and I want the tree to come from my woods. And so I got my kids all in tow, all of them, and it just had snowed. And I mean, the snow was like this deep. You talk about Norman Rockwell, kind of picturesque Christmas. 
And here I am taking my hacksaw or whatever I could find because I don't really know what tools to use for anything. And going through the woods with our boots and got all the kids in tow, walking through, trying to pick a tree. Well, it just so happens that about the time I got out there is when it started to get dark. You know, it's like, it like dusk. And you can kind of make things out, kind of not make things out. We didn't have any flashlights because I don't roll that way. And then when we got out there, the kids were like, how about this one? How about this one? How about that one? Which one are we going to cut down and, and bring in? And I said, this one looks perfect, but it's huge. Uh, how about if I just, like, cut part of it off or something? Like, the top of it's just picturesque. And so I, I think I even went and got a ladder. I got up there and saw this, and it, I, I couldn't believe how easily this thing worked for me. And so we got the tree down and started dragging it back. And uh, all the kids are in tow. We go through the snow, and they're just so excited. And we get it inside the house, and we set it up. And then I realized I cut down a shrub. It was not even a tree. <laughs> it was some sort of shrub. It had berries on it, and it was sticky, and it was really light. I'm like, why is this thing so light? But I just thought that's the way it was. So we just went with it. You know, because I, I told my wife, I'm like, well, who else has a Christmas shrub? Anyone? No. So we just put it up there and decorated it. <laughs> Kids had a great time. And so for years, we've always talked about the Christmas shrub. And that. So the, the best anticipated Christmas I ever had, I couldn't even pull that off right. You know, the things, I, I, would, I can mess things up very, very easily. And so some things just don't turn out the way you expect. How many expected everything from 2020 that's happened this year? Anyone? <laughs> Me, I had it pegged. Last December, I talked, no, I had no idea. No one knows. We don't know tomorrow. We really don't. You know, but, and, and sometimes our expectations get in the way of our faith. Do you realize that? Sometimes our expectations can get in the way of our faith. And I, I, I want to talk about hope this morning, but I, I want you to understand something. I guess the point of my little story with the Christmas shrub and things just didn't work out the way they were expected, but to be honest, it worked out better than I could ever hope for because it gave me a story for the years and a memory for the years, even though I messed up. You know, God used that. And when Jesus came, when he arrived on the scene, he was not what people really expected. It's not what was built up for years and years and years that the deliverer was coming. And when he came, people just did not get it. He was born in a manger to a carpenter's family, very poor. It was prophesied in Isaiah, exactly born of a virgin, Isaiah 7:14. Micah in 5.2 years ago wrote that he would be born in this small town in Bethlehem, this town of really no consequence whatsoever. I mean, God set up from the beginning that he would not come in and lead as this political leader as everybody expected and free everybody from oppression, their physical oppression that they were undergoing and being enslaved to the Romans at the time. He did not fulfill expectation with people at all. That's why many of them rejected him as Messiah because he was not what they expected as the Messiah. He was, according to Isaiah chapter 53, years ago, Isaiah said that he's going to be crushed and pierced. He would be crucified. You can even make the case that in Hosea 6 and in a couple other places, you can even make the case that years and years ago, it was even said that he would also raise from the dead, as David write in Psalms, that your body would not even see decay, as Peter quoted in Acts 2. 
So, but it was not, even way back then, as it was prophesied that this hope was coming, that Jesus, would, when he did arrive, it was not what everyone expected at all. But it was better than anyone could have hoped for in the end. So we're going to talk about hope. I'm going to light this first candle, which is, <laughs> I thought it was funny they asked me to do this because this is dangerous for me, for you. There we go. But today, we're going to talk about hope. And I want to define hope this way. Hope is the confident. Now, I want, you to, I want you to read this with me. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his what? Faithfulness. I really think about this. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness. See, I really believe that we have hope for this, one of these reasons, because we know the past. We know about his faithfulness. We know the past. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs ever, and I, it just sticks with me for so many years, but it was written by a guy named Rich Mullins. And right after he died tragically, then the song actually came out. It's called My Deliverer. And part of the lyrics, it kind of it says, it reminds, about, it reminds us about when Jesus was a baby. I don't know if you remember, but they had to escape to Egypt. Joseph and Mary, God tells Joseph to take Jesus to Egypt. And why? Because Herod had issued this order in Bethlehem that all kids two and under would be slaughtered. And he, was, he escapes to Egypt, which ironically is so much like what you read in the past when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were enslaved, you know, crying out for a deliverer. And the king hears about this deliverer prophecy, and so the, the king issues an edict to every, every two-year-old boy and under slaughtered, and Moses is saved in the, in the basket. Remember this story? So much like Jesus now goes to Egypt, and now he is rescued, if you will, from that, in that time. And I loved in this song because it kind of it speculated is it possible that Jesus, when he was very young in Egypt, actually heard the voices of the songs of the Israelites when they were in Egypt on the banks of the Nile? I love how it says in the Old Testament, how it says that God heard their cries. I mean, all his people enslaved, put into hard labor for 400 years. But, then, but God heard them. Could Jesus as a child maybe have heard echoing him as he's creator God, Jesus. And maybe, maybe as, he, as he stands by the banks of the Nile, even as a little one, hears as creator God their cries even then. And if you remember the story back then, Jesus does, I mean, God does send the deliverer in Moses. Moses comes and tells Pharaoh to let the people go. And as you know the story, he sends these ten plagues. And really, you can make the case that these plagues actually served, as according to Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, served as a judgment to each of the Egyptian gods that they worshipped, flying in the face of those gods. And God brings them out. 
and helps them escape through the Red Sea. And you read this after they escaped. You read this song in Exodus chapter 15. Moses and the people of Israel sang this to the Lord after they were rescued through the power of God to the Red Sea. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father is God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. I love that. And you can, if, if you go to Exodus 15, you can read this. It's a lot lengthier than that. Read the whole song of what the children of Israel sang when the Lord God single-handedly led them out of Egypt as he promised he would. As he promised he would. As he heard their cries. You see, we can have hope because we know the past. We also know, even back to the beginning of Genesis, that when Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden, who was prophesied who would come but Jesus himself? God said that Satan's going to bite his heel, but he's going, Jesus is going to crush his head. In fact, you can read throughout the whole Old Testament as you go through, when you read about the, the one that was born of a virgin, the one who would crush the head of God, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. We know the past. And because of that and the faithfulness of God, we know it came to fruition that the babe born in a manger was the one who was talked about since the beginning of time. That Jesus Christ had come to save the world, to save you and me that he was crucified, that he was resurrected. He died for our sins. And he may not have come to the expectation of what everybody thought. In, in fact, I would make the case that even though this, some of these events happened 2,000 years ago, you and I still don't think our expectations have been met with who the Messiah really is. But if you would really take the time to read, to listen, to, to, to learn what you're going to find is that God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. That the very expectations that we have of him are way too little. Because what Jesus came to do was to save the, the world. We have hope because we know the past. Look at this Joshua 24, 14. I love this passage. You see, what happens is Obviously, God leads them out of Egypt, and for, because of their sin, they wander for 40 years, but eventually Joshua leads them into the promised land, and at the end of Joshua's life, he gives this speech, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. You know what? I think I had the wrong verse. You can't put a quick verse up there, can you? I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. there's, there's another verse right next to that <laughs> where, where, where Joshua actually says that, that God is your hope. He is your hope. And he has proved it. You see, we have hope because we know the past. Because God has, has proved it to us. Another reason we have hope is this, and what, what, having that confident expectation 
that, that because we know God's faithfulness is because we also know the faithfulness of God, not only from the past, but we can have hope because we know the present. How many of you know that Jesus is alive? How many of you know by experience that Jesus is alive? You see, when I, when I look at, the, when I think of this for just a second, I can't think but hearken back to Peter's very first sermon in Acts chapter 2. He actually said, when, he, when people were responding to the gospel and he was preaching about Jesus, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for permission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise, this gifting of the Holy Spirit, is not just for you, but for your children and for all those who are far off. You see, the arrival of Christ brought the Holy Spirit. Hebrew writer, Hebrew writer, excuse me, in chapter 10, verse 10, states the fact that Christ has come to be the one and only sacrifice, the one and for all sacrifice, that Jesus is the only one that we find victory over sin. In Jesus, he is the only one that we find victory over death. And in Jesus, he is the only one that we find victory over the devil himself. And now we can live in transformation. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that the old is gone and the new has come. You see, I can attest today, just standing here before you, that I know and I have hope in my God because of what he has done for me today. He has transformed me. He has changed me. And I know the present. This is what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in what? Hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And so we can have hope in God because he lives in us now. Now, I want to say something, and don't get me wrong. I want you to hear me all the way through. I, I, t- I tend to think that we, we usually use the word hope in more of a hope-so way than actually actual confidence. And Christian hope is not the same as the world's hope. Those who follow Jesus don't look at hope in the same way. It's not, well, maybe God might rescue. Maybe God might save. Maybe. It's not like that. It's the confident expectation based upon the faithfulness of God over and over. He has saved and will save and has saved me today. And it's not just about, hope is not just about what I look forward to tomorrow. Hope is about how I am living now. How he has transformed me and changed me. And here's my, here's my last one. We have hope because we know the past. We have hope because we know the present. What do you think the next one is? We have hope because we know tomorrow. We really do. We have hope. Maybe I should say this better. 
We have hope because we know the one who knows tomorrow. And God has proven his faithfulness. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. This is it's not a passage you probably would expect to, to hear, but let me make my point. Then I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it, it's called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in, fi- arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, there is, comf- there is, there is coming a day, as described in Revelation, of Jesus being finally and ultimately victorious. He's already, been victor- he's already the victor over sin, but ultimately the consummation of this, he's going to come back. You know, I, I can't help but think of the voices from the past again. As Moses stands and puts his, his staff into the the Nile River, and it turns to blood. And one plague right after another as God sends his judgment on the gods of the world. That's going to happen again. There's coming a day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to cast his judgment upon the gods of the world. And you need to see this as hope. As hope. If you're with him. (laughs) Revelation is a book written in warning to those who are not with him. And encouragement of hope to those who are with him. And if you know Jesus today, then you know that he is victorious. And there's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I stand here confident today in tomorrow and it's not because I know what's going to happen tomorrow because I don't and here's the thing I really believe that most of us our faith goes up and down with the way our lives go and you need to rethink that because no matter what happens on the face of this earth tomorrow the king of kings and lord of lords is still coming There's still going to be a a final consummation. There's still going to be a separation of sheep and goats. There's still going to be a time when he, his word is spoken, and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, it will be carried out. And if you think about it that way, then it doesn't matter what plagues come our way. If you think about it that way, If our hope is in the one who holds tomorrow, then understand this, that you have to believe, hopefully with everything you've got, that our deliverer has heard our cries. We know about his faithfulness from the past. We know how he lives in us today. Do you think he's going to fail us tomorrow? He's not. 
but it may not be in the way you expect, you see. It may not be, I'm just being honest, it may not be a rescuing of your circumstances this year. He may not be the Messiah you think he should be. But I guarantee you, whatever he does will be more than you've ever hoped for. You see, I, I believe in t- that he has tomorrow in his hand. He has heard our cries, and he's coming to take us to the promised land. There's coming a day when we, be, we will be truly redeemed. You see, Christians, we have got to talk about this, brothers and sisters. We've got to talk to each other like, like Paul writes in Thessalonians, like John writes in Revelation, that we need to encourage each other with these words. There's coming a time when there will be no more plagues on this earth. There's coming a time where there'll be no more pain, no more, no more death, no more tears, no more hurt. There's coming a time when the gods of this world will, ne- will not ever rule again. There's coming a time when Jesus will arrive. But brothers and sisters, we are worried and upset about so many things. I have to ask you, where is your hope. My final point is this, and this is great news, is that the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus came just to give you hope. The Bible teaches that Jesus is your hope. First Timothy chapter 1 says Jesus is our hope. Titus says he is our blessed hope. First Peter chapter 1 says that he is our living hope. He is hope itself. Now, what does that mean? It means something extremely practical to you and me as we look forward to celebrating the birth of our Savior, and that is this. Your faith is not in something. Your faith is in someone. Do you understand that? Your faith is not in something. Your faith is in someone. So quit looking for something to fulfill your life. Quit looking for something to even give you hope. Because there's only someone who can do that. You're so worried and upset about so many things. And I understand. I'm with you. I understand. Our faith is weak sometimes. So like Jesus said, sometimes our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. I understand that we don't necessarily feel like we're filled with hope on a daily basis. But I really think the anxieties of our life are there because they're rooted. Because we think we're rooted in the idea that we think we're going to be delivered by something other than Jesus. No, (laughs) he is our hope. We do not put our trust in something, but in someone, and that makes all the difference in the world. So, our hope is because we know the past. We can hope because we know the present, and we can hope because we know tomorrow. We're gonna sing here in just a little bit. 
And before we, while we're singing, what I'm really asking for you to do this morning is I'm asking if you would just kind of release in your heart some of the stress and anxieties of the day. If you just kind of release in your heart and acknowledge to Jesus, you are my hope. You hear my cries. I, I pray that that's your prayer. So I'm going to pray, if you don't mind, if you would stand with me. We're going to have a little bit of a time of silence, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing together. And I pray you have a, a wonderful holiday season, mainly because your eyes are in the right place on that babe in the manger, celebrating for the right reasons the hope of the world has come and is coming. Let's pray. Father, you are truly God. Father, we, we are always just blown away by the way that you watch us in, in, in the way that you not just watch, but you intervene. In the way that you are sovereign. In the way that you work all things together for the good of those who love you. Oh, Father, there are so many in this room who can testify to Jesus and what he has done for our lives. Oh, Father, there are so many in this room who can testify to your goodness, who can testify to your motives, who can testify to your promises, and who can testify to your faithfulness. So, Father God, we pray that you might do a strong work within our hearts, that you will help us to simplify our faith, help us to get down to the basics in our hearts as we deal with the worries of the day. Father, I pray that we might move those worries to your shoulders. For you already died for the worries of this world. For you've already become victorious. But Father, we can't see it. We put our faith in, in something and we don't put it in you. Oh, Father, give us hope. Give us hope as we enter into this time. But help us to live in hope every single day. For you have already saved in the past. You're already saving us now. And we're going to realize ultimate, the ultimate salvation tomorrow. Father, we don't know what tomorrow holds really. We just ask you to be in charge of our thoughts. We ask you to be in charge of our perception. We ask you to make us new. And Father, if there's anyone that's struggling in their faith because anxiety has taken over and the devil has taken over in their heart, Father, I pray for them right now. I pray that they might see clear to repent. They might see clear to come to you. They might see clear. Because, Father, you, you have made it so simple, but yet so hard sometimes for us because we are so human. 
But Father, we just praise you and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the coming and arriving of Jesus Christ. And we pray for that day to hurry for when you take over for real and finally, and we can rest in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.